and the second chapter of Matthew. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. Joseph went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was great with child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you great good news of a great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Messiah, the Lord. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. In the time of Herod the king, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east. Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is God's word for God's people. The Best Christmas Pageant Ever by Barbara Robinson. The Herdmans were absolutely the worst kids in the history of the world. They lied, they stole, they smoked cigars, even the girls, and talked dirty and hit little kids, and cussed their teachers and took the name of the Lord in vain, and set fire to Fred Shoemaker's old broken-down tool house. The Herdens were just so all-round awful you could barely believe they were real. Ralph, Imogene, Leroy, Claude, Ollie, and Gladys. Six skinny, stringy-haired kids all alike except being different sizes and having different black and blue places where they had clunked each other. The Herdmans pretty much looked after themselves. Ralph looked after Imogene. And Imogene looked after Leroy, and Leroy looked after Claude, and so on down the line. Uh, the Herdmans were like most big families. The big ones taught the little ones everything they knew. And the proof of that 
was that the meanest herdman of all was Gladys, the youngest. We figured they were headed straight for hell by way of the state penitentiary until they got themselves mixed up with the church and my mother and our Christmas pageant. Everything okay? We okay? Let me continue the story, but I think we're, we're okay. My mother hadn't expected to have anything to do with the Christmas pageant, except to make sure that me and my little brother, Charlie, were in it. But then she got stuck with the whole thing when Mrs. George Armstrong fell and broke her leg. In the end, it was my brother Charlie's fault that the Herdmans showed up at church at all. For three days in a row, Leroy Herdman stole dessert from Charlie's lunchbox, and finally Charlie just gave up trying to do anything about it. Oh, go on and take it, he said. I don't care. I get all the dessert I want in Sunday school. Leroy wanted to know more about that. What kind of dessert, he said. Uh, chocolate cake, Charlie told him, and candy bars and cookies and Kool-Aid. We get refreshments all the time, all that we want. You're a liar, Leroy said. <laughs> Leroy was right. We got jelly beans at Easter and punching cookies on Children's Day, and that was it. We get ice cream too, Charlie went on, and, and donuts and popcorn balls. Who gives you all that, Leroy wanted to know. The minister, Charlie said. He didn't know what else to say. I'm just going to pause for just a moment. And let's just have a moment of prayer. Gracious God, we, we come to you now asking for your comfort and care and blessing and your healing touch. Be with our sister as she's going to receive the care that she needs just now. We pray that you will bless her. We thank you for willing hands that have responded and are helping. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Squad will be coming soon, and uh, we've got her in the wheelchair, and she's being attended by at least two doctors and multiple nurses, so thinks things are okay. Just want to take a moment and pause. Back to our story. Of course, that was the wrong thing to tell the Herdmans if you wanted them to stay away. And sure enough, the very next Sunday, there they were, slouching into Sunday school, eyes peeled for the refreshments. Where do you get the cake? Ralph asked the Sunday school superintendent. Mr. Grady said, well, well son, I don't know anything about cake, but they're collecting food packages out in the kitchen. What he meant was the canned stuff we brought in every year as a Thanksgiving present for the orphan's home. It was just our bad luck that the Herdmans picked that Sunday to come because when they saw all the cans of spaghetti and beans and grape drink and peanut butter, they figured there might be some truth to what Charlie had said about refreshments. So they stayed. 
At the end of the morning, Mr. Grady came to every class and made an announcement. We'll be starting rehearsals soon for our Christmas pageant, he said, and next week after the service, we'll all gather in the back of the church and we'll decide who will play the main roles in the pageant. So the next Sunday, we all gathered for tryouts and the Herdmans were there too. My mother explained. Now, we all know what kind of person Mary was. She was quiet and gentle and kind. And the little girl who plays Mary should try to be that kind of a person. I know that many of you would like to be Mary in our pageant, but of course we can only have one Mary. So I'll ask for volunteers and then we'll all decide together which girl should get the part. That was pretty safe to say, since the only person who ever raised her hand was Alice Wendelkin. But Alice just sat there chewing on a piece of her hair, looking down at the floor. And the only person who raised her hand this time was Imogene Herdman. Did you have a question, Imogene? Mother asked. I guess it was the only reason she could think of why Imogene put her hand up. No, Imogene said. I want to be Mary. She looked over her shoulder and said, Ralph wants to be Joseph. Yeah, Ralph said. Mother just stared at them. It was like one of those detective movies when the nice little old gray-haired lady sticks a gun in the bank window and says, give me all your money. You can't believe it. Mother couldn't believe this either. Well, she said after a minute, we, we want to be sure that everyone has a chance. Does anyone else want to volunteer to be Joseph? No one did. All right, Mother said, Ralph will be our Joseph. Now, now, does anyone else want to volunteer for Mary? Mother looked around, trying to catch someone's eye, anyone's eye. Janet, Roberta, Alice, don't you want to volunteer this year? No, Alice said, so low you could barely hear her. I don't want to. Nobody volunteered to be the wise men either, except Leroy, Claude, and Ollie Herdman. So there was my mother, stuck with a Christmas pageant full of Herdmans in the main roles. There was one Herdman left, and one main role left over, and you didn't have to be very smart to figure out that Gladys was going to be the angel of the Lord. What do I have to do, Gladys wanted to know. Well, the angel of the Lord was the one who brought the good news to the shepherd's mother, said. While everyone was leaving, Mother grabbed Alice Wendelkin by the arm and said, Alice, why in the world didn't you raise your hand to be Mary? I don't know, Alice said, looking mad. But I knew. I had heard Imogene Herdman telling Alice what would happen to her if she dared to volunteer. All the ordinary, everyday Herdman things like clonking you on the head and drawing pictures all over your homework or putting worms in your coat pocket. I don't care, Alice told her. I don't care what you do. I'm always Mary in the pageant. And next spring, Imogene went on, squinting up her eyes, when the pussy willows come out, I'll stick a pussy willow so far down your ear that nobody can reach it, and it'll sprout there, it'll grow and grow, and you'll spend the rest of your life with a pussy willow bush growing out of your ear. You had to admire her. That was the worst thing anyone of them ever thought up to do. Of course, some people might think that it could not happen, but it could. 
Ollie Herdman did it once. He got this terrible earache in school, and when the nurse looked down in his ear with her little lighted tube, she yelled so loud you could hear her all the way down the hall. He's got something growing down there. When the flower committee took a potted geranium to Mrs. Armstrong and told her what was going on, she nearly fell out of bed, traction bars and all. I feel personally responsible, she said. Whatever happens, I'll accept the blame. If I'd been up and around and doing my duty, this would never have happened. And that made my mother so mad she could barely see straight. If she'd been up and around, it wouldn't have happened, mother said. That woman, she must be surprised that the sun is still coming up every morning without her there to supervise the sunrise. Well, let me tell you, you don't have to tell us, dear, my father said. We're on your side. Well, I just mean that Helen Armstrong is not the only person alive who can run a Christmas pageant. Up until then, I'd, now I just made up my mind to do just the best I could under the circumstances. But now, and she stabbed the meat fork into the pot roast, I'm going to make this the very best Christmas pageant anybody ever saw, and I'm going to do it with the Herdmans, too. After all, they raised their hands and nobody else did, and that's just that. The first pageant rehearsal was usually about as much fun as a three-hour ride on the school bus and just as noisy and crowded. This rehearsal, though, was different. Everybody shut up and settled down right away for, for fear of missing something awful that the Herdmans might do. They got there late, sliding into the room like a bunch of outlaws about to shoot up a saloon. When Leroy passed Charlie, he knuckled him behind the ear, and one little primary girl yelled as Gladys went by. But Mother said she was going to ignore everything except blood, and since the primary kid wasn't bleeding and neither was Charlie, nothing happened. Mother said, and here's the Herdman family. We're so glad to see you all which was probably the biggest lie ever said right out loud in church. <laughs> Imogene smiled, the Herdman smile we called it, sly and sneaky. And there they sat, the closest thing to criminals that we knew about. And they were going to represent the best and the most beautiful. Well, it was no wonder everyone was so worked up. Mothers started to separate everyone into angels and shepherds and guests in the inn, but right away she ran into trouble. Who were the shepherds, Leroy Herdman wanted to know, and where did they come from? Ollie Herdman didn't even know what a shepherd was. Well, anyway, that's what he said. What's an inn, Claude asked. Uh, that's, that's like a motel, someone told him, where people go to spend the night. What people, Claude said. Jesus? Oh, honestly, Alice Wendelkin grumbled. The thing was, the Herdmans didn't know anything about Christmas, the Christmas story. They knew that Christmas was Jesus' birthday, but everything else was news to them. That's the shepherds, the wise men, the star, the stable, the crowded inn. They never went to church in their whole life until your little brother told them we got refreshments, Alice said. And all you ever hear about Christmas in school is how to make Christmas ornaments out of aluminum foil, so how would they know the Christmas story? She was right. Now, of course, they might have read about it, but they never read anything except amazing comics. And they might have heard about it on TV, except 
that Ralph had paid 65 cents for their TV at a garage sale, and you, you couldn't see anything on it unless somebody held on to the antenna, and even then you couldn't see much. The only other way for them to hear the Christmas story was from their parents, and I guess Mr. Herdman never got around to that before he climbed on the train and left town. And it was pretty clear that Mrs. Herdman had given up even trying to tell them anything. So they just didn't know. And Mother said she'd better start by reading the Christmas story from the Bible. Now this was a pain in the neck to most of us, because we knew the whole thing backward and forward and never had to be told anything except who we were supposed to be and where we were supposed to stand. Joseph and Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child, pregnant, yelled Ralph Herdman. Well, that stirred things up. All the big kids began to giggle, and the little kids wanted to know what was so funny. And Mother had to hammer the floor with the blackboard pointer. That's enough, Ralph, she said, and went on with the story. Well, I don't think it's very nice to say Mary was pregnant, Alice whispered to me. But she was, I pointed out. In a way, though, I agree with her. It sounded too ordinary. Anybody could be pregnant. Great with child. That sounded better for Mary to be. What's that, they would yell whenever they didn't understand the language. When Mother read about there being no room in the inn, Imogene's jaw, jaw dropped, and she sat up in her seat. My God, she said, not even for Jesus. I saw Alice purse her lips together, so I knew that was something else Mrs. Wendelkin would hear about, swearing in church. Well, now, after all, Mother explained, nobody knew the baby was going to turn out to be Jesus. You said Mary knew, Ralph said. Why didn't she tell them? Well, I'd have told them, Imogene put in. Boy, what I have told them. What was the matter with Joseph that he didn't tell them? Her pregnant and everything, she grumbled. What was it that they laid the baby in, Leroy asked? That manger. Is that like a bed? And why would they have a bed in a barn? That's just the point, Mother said. They didn't have a bed in the barn. So Mary and Joseph had to use whatever there was. What would you do if you had a new baby and no bed to put the baby in? Well, we put Gladys in the bureau drawer, Imogene volunteered. Well, you see, just like that mother said, blinking a little, you didn't have a bed for Gladys, so you had to use something else. Anyway, mother continued, Mary and Joseph used the manger. The manger is a large wooden feeding trough for animals. What about those wadded up clothes, Claude wanted to know. The what, Mother said? Well, you read about it. She wrapped him in wadded up clothes. Swaddling clothes, Mother sighed. Long ago, people used to wrap their babies very tightly in big pieces of material so they couldn't move around. It made the babies feel cozy and comfortable. I thought it probably just made the babies mad. Till then, I didn't know what swaddling clothes were either. They sounded terrible, so I wasn't too surprised when Imogene got all excited about that. You mean they tied him up and put him in a feed box? Where was the child welfare? <laughs> and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, Mother continued, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And Shazam, Gladys yelled, flinging her arms and smacking a little kid next to her. What? Mother had never read Amazing Comics. Out of the black of night with horrible vengeance, the mighty Marvo. I don't know what you're talking about, Gladys, Mother said. This is the angel of the Lord who comes to the shepherds in the field and 
out of nowhere, right? Gladys says, in the black of night, right? Well, mother looked unhappily, in a way. So Gladys sat back looking very satisfied as if at least one part of the Christmas story finally made sense to her. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the mother went on reading, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, that's you, Leroy, Ralph said, and Claude and Charlie, or Charlie and Ollie, so pay, it, say, pay attention. They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him and presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What's that stuff, Leroy wanted to know. A precious oil, his mother said, and, and fragrant resins. Oil, Imogene hollered. What kind of a cheap king hands out oil for a present? You get better gifts from the firemen. When we came to King Herod and the herdmans had never heard of him either, so mother had to explain that it was Herod who sent the wise men to find baby Jesus. Was it him that sent them crummy presents, Ollie wanted to know? And mother said it was worse than that. He actually had planned to have the baby Jesus put to death. My God, Imogene said, he just got bored and already they're out to kill him. The herdmans wanted to know all about Herod, what he looked like, how rich he was, and whether he fought wars with people. I couldn't understand the Herdmans. You'd have thought the Christmas story came right out of the FBI files, the way they got so involved in it. They wanted a bloody end to Herod, worried about Mary having her baby in a barn, called the wise men a bunch of dirty spies, and they left the first rehearsal of arguing about whether Joseph should have set fire to the inn or just chased the innkeeper into the next county. Our last rehearsal happened to be the night before the potluck supper. And when we got there, the kitchen was full of ladies in aprons counting out the dishes and the silverware, making applesauce cake for dessert. Uh, I'm sorry about this, one of the ladies told mother, but with so much to do at this time of the year, the committee decided we, we just had to come in this evening and set up the tables and all. I just hope we won't bother you. Oh, you won't, Mother said. We won't be in the kitchen. We won't, you won't even know we're here. Mother was wrong. Everyone in that end of town knew we were there before the evening was over. So Mother said, the main point of the dress rehearsal isn't the costumes. The main point is to go right straight through without stopping. And that's what we're going to do, just as if we were doing it for the whole congregation. I'm going to sit back in the back of the church, and I'll be the audience. But it didn't work that way. The baby angels came in the wrong place and had to go back out again, and the whole gang of shepherds didn't come in at all for fear of Gladys. Imogene couldn't find the baby Jesus doll, so she wrapped up a great big memorial flower urn in a blanket and then dropped it on Ralph's foot. And half the angel choir sang away in the manger, while the other half sang a little town of Bethlehem. We had to start over a lot. I've got the baby Jesus right here, Imogene barked at the wise men. Don't touch him. I named him Jesus. No, 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 mother came flying down the aisle. Now, Imogene, you know that you're not supposed to say anything. Nobody says anything in our pageant except the angel of the Lord and the choir singing carols. Mary and Joseph and the wise men made a lovely picture for us to look at while we think about the things that Christmas means. I guess mother had to say things like that, even though everyone knew it was a big lie. The Herdmans didn't look anything like out of the Bible. 
more like trick-or-treat. Imogene even had on great big gold hoop earrings. She wouldn't take them off. Now, Imogene, mother said, you know Mary didn't wear earrings. I have to wear these, Imogene said. Why is that? Got my ears pierced. And if I don't have things in them, they'll grow together. Well, what did the doctor say about leaving them in, mother said. What doctor? Well, well who pierced your ears? Gladys, Imogene said. That really made you shudder. The thought of Gladys Herdman piercing ears, I thought she probably used an ice pick, and then for the next six months, I kept watching Imogene to see her ears turn black and fall off. Then there was a big crash in the back of the church as if someone dropped all the collection plates, but it wasn't the collection plates at all. It was Mrs. Hopkins, the minister's wife, dropping a whole tray of silverware. Oh, I'm so sorry, she said. I was just passing by and, and I thought I'd take a peek. Would you like to sit down and watch the rehearsal, Mother asked. No, Mrs. Hopkins said, and she couldn't take her eyes off of Imogene. I'd better go check on the applesauce cake. By that time, everyone was hot and tired. Most of the baby angels had to go to the bathroom. So Mother said we'd better take a five-minute recess, and then we'll start over, she said, looking sort of hopeless, and go right straight through without stopping, won't we? Well, we never did go right straight through. The five-minute recess stretch was a great mistake because it stretched into 15 minutes, and Imogene spent the whole time smoking cigars in one of the Johns in the ladies' room. When Mrs. Homer McCarthy went into the ladies' room and opened the door and smelled something funny, then she saw, saw some smoke and ran right to the church office and called the fire department. We were singing Angels We Have Heard on High when the fire engine pulled up in the lawn of the church with the siren blaring and the red lights flashing. The firemen hurried in, made us all go outside, and they dragged a big hose in the front door and went looking for a fire to put out. Why in the world did you call the fire department, Mother asked Mrs. McCarthy when she finally heard the whole story. Well, because the ladies' room was full of thick smoke. Well, it couldn't have been, Mother said. You just got excited. Don't you know what cigar smoke smells like? But by that time, the kitchen was fuller of smoke than the ladies' room because while everyone was milling around in the street, all the applesauce cake burned to a crisp. On the night of the pageant, we didn't have any supper. Mother forgot to fix it. My father said that that was all right. Be between Mrs. Armstrong's telephone calls and the pageant rehearsals, we just didn't expect supper anymore. Everything settled down, and at 7.30, the pageant began. We sang two verses of O Little Town of Bethlehem, and then we were supposed to hum some more O Little Town of Bethlehem while Mary and Joseph came in from a side door. Only they didn't come in right away, so we hummed and hummed and hummed, which is boring, and it's also hard. And before long, it didn't sound like any song at all, more like an old refrigerator. I knew something like this would happen, Alice Wendelkin whispered to me. They didn't come at all. We won't have any Mary and Joseph, and now what are we supposed to do? I guess we would have gone on humming until we all turned blue, but we didn't have to. Ralph and Imogene were there all right. Only for once, they didn't come through the door pushing each other out of the way. They just stood there for a moment, as if they weren't sure they were in the right place caused the candles, I guess, and, and the church being so full of people. 
They looked like the people you see on the six o'clock news, refugees sent to wait in some strange, ugly place with all their boxes and sacks around them. And it suddenly occurred to me that this was just the way it must have been for the real Holy Family, stuck away in a barn by people who didn't much care what happened to them. They couldn't have been very neat and tidy either, more like this Mary and Joseph. Imogene's veil was cockeyed as usual and Ralph's hair stuck up all around his ears. Imogene had the baby doll this time, <clears throat> but she wasn't carrying it the way she was supposed to, you know, cradled in her arms. She had it slung over her shoulder. Before she put the baby in the manger, she thumped it twice on the back. I heard Alice gasp and she poked me. I don't think it's very nice to burp the baby Jesus, she whispered, as if he had colic. Then she poked me again. Do you suppose he might have had colic? I said, I don't know why not, and I didn't. He could have had colic or been fussy or hungry like any other baby. After all, that was the whole point of Jesus. They didn't come down on a cloud like something out of amazing comics, but that he was born and lived was a real person. Next came Gladys from Pine the Angel Choir, pushing people out of the way and stepping on everyone's feet. Since Gladys was the only one in the pageant who had anything to say, she made the most of it. Hey, unto you all a child is born. She hollered it as loud as she could, as if it was for sure the best news in the world. And all the shepherds trembled sore afraid, of Gladys mostly, but it was a great effect. We got a little rest then while the boys sang We Three Kings of Orient Are, and everyone in the audience shifted around to watch the wise men march up the aisle. What have they got? Alice whispered. I didn't know, but it, whatever it was, it was heavy, because Leroy almost dropped it. He didn't have his frankincense jar either, and Claude and Ollie didn't have anything, though they were supposed to bring in the gold and the myrrh. I knew this would happen, Alice said for the second time. I'll bet it's something awful. Like what? Like a, a burnt offering. You know the herdmans. Well, they did burn things. But they hadn't burned this yet. It was a ham. And right away I knew where it came from. My father was on the church charitable works committee. They give away food baskets at Christmas. And this was the herdman's food basket ham. It still had the ribbon around it saying, Merry Christmas. Leroy dropped the ham in front of the manger. It did look funny to see a ham there instead of the fancy bath salts jars we usually use for the myrrh and the frankincense. And then they went and sat down in the only space that was left in the front of the church. While we sang away in a what child is what child is this, the wise men were supposed to confer among themselves and then leave by another door so everyone would understand that they were going home a different way. But the herdmans forgot or didn't want to or something because they didn't confer and they didn't leave either. They just sat there and there wasn't a single thing anyone could do about it. They're ruining the whole thing, Alice whispered. But they weren't at all. As a matter of fact, it made perfect sense for the wise men to sit down and rest. And I said so. They're supposed to have come a long way. You wouldn't expect them just to show up, hand over the ham, and leave, would you? Then everyone sang Silent Night, including the audience. We sang all the verses, too. 
And when we got the Son of God loves pure light, I happened to look at Imogene, and I almost dropped my hymn book on a baby angel in front of me. Everyone had been waiting all this time for the herdmans to do something absolutely unexpected, and sure enough, that's what happened. Imogene Herdman was crying. In the candlelight, her face was all shiny with tears, and she didn't even bother to wipe them away. She just sat there, awful old Imogene in her crookedy veil, crying and crying and crying. Well, it was the best Christmas pageant we ever had. And this was the funny, funny thing about it. For years, I'd thought about the wonder of Christmas and, and the mystery of Jesus' birth and never really understood it. But now, because of the Herdmans, it didn't seem so mysterious after all. When Imogene had asked me what the pageant was about, I told her it was about Jesus, but that was just part of it. It was about a new baby and his mother and father who were in a lot of trouble. No money, no place to go, no doctor, nobody they knew. And then arriving from the east, like my uncle from New Jersey, some rich friends. But Imogene, I guess, didn't see it that way. Christmas just came all over her at once like a case of the chills and the fever. So as far as I'm concerned, Mary is always going to look a lot like Imogene Herdman, sort of nervous and bewildered, but ready to clobber anyone who laid a hand on her baby. And the wise men are always going to be Leroy and his brothers bearing ham. When we came out of church that night, it was cold and clear, and the crunchy snow underfoot, it was bright, bright stars were in the sky overhead. And I thought about the angel of the Lord Gladys, with her skinny legs and her dirty sneakers sticking out from under her robe, yelling at all of us everywhere, Hey, unto you a child is born.